And hello, you're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network, supported by 3CR Community Radio on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri Willem clan of the Woiwurrung language group in the Kulin Nation. I'm Nikki Stott, and I pay my respects to country and to elders, past and present. For 15 months now, and counting, the whole world has endured the COVID-19 pandemic. Over 120 million people have contracted this virus and almost 2.7 million people have died from it. Our best chance of ending this pandemic is to ensure that everyone, everywhere, has access to COVID-19 vaccines. Because the longer this virus spreads, the more the risk of mutations increases. However, in yet another mindless display of the enduring stupidity of capitalism, pharmaceutical monopolies are restricting supply and governments in the richest countries are hoarding doses, while the majority of people in the poorest countries won't be vaccinated this year. And they'll have to wait, potentially, for several years for widespread vaccination. Meanwhile, the vast majority of countries in Africa and Asia and about half the countries in South America have supported an intellectual property waiver so that generic COVID vaccines can be mass-produced. The US, the UK, the EU, Australia, Japan and Brazil have blocked this to protect big pharma profits. Millions more people are predicted to die unnecessarily as a result of this disgusting profiteering. Earlier this month, members of the People's Vaccine Alliance spoke at an online rally to call out the injustice of this vaccine apartheid. Today in the show, we'll hear some highlights from this webinar. And first up, we'll kick off with Sonia Adesara, medical doctor, activist and former co-chair of the Young Medical Women's International Association. I work in the NHS, which is a, you know, a world-class healthcare system, and yet it very quickly became overwhelmed. And many hospitals, including my own, frequently ran out of beds, ran out of ventilators. It's a really frightening place to be in when you have three, four, five very sick people struggling to breathe, and you know you only have one ITU bed free. And as a doctor, you are used to dealing with sickness, and you are used to dealing with death. But it is different and it is very difficult when you know that the suffering you're seeing and and the deaths that you've seen could have been prevented. It makes me so upset and angry that we have this incredible, you know, scientific miracle of the knowledge of how to protect lives now with this vaccine. And yet we know that in the current system, 90% So the majority of those in the poorest countries will not be protected, will not be vaccinated this year. Now, people are calling this a vaccine apartheid. I don't think I have the words to articulate 
a system where millions across the world will needlessly die simply to maintain a system that ensures a few individuals are able to extract maximum profit from this crisis. And it makes me even more ashamed to know that some of the wealthiest countries in the world, including my own, have undermined global initiatives to improve access to vaccines in poorer countries. So they have knowingly and deliberately prolonging the suffering of those with the least means in our world. Our silence here is complicity because we have a voice and we have the power to put pressure on our governments to support the People's Vaccine Initiative, to waive the intellectual property rights, which will allow this knowledge um, and the technology of how to make these vaccines to be shared openly. And that could allow the massive upscaling of production of vaccines across the world and save millions and billions of lives. And we also need to quite loudly remind our governments, uh, particularly those of us um, in the West, that vaccine nationalism and this you know, economic nationalism, as some may call it, is not only a moral failure, but it is stupidly short-sighted. Because as we know, if you allow the virus to let rip, to let spread in certain countries, then that increases the risk of mutations and that increases the risk of our vaccine then becoming ineffective. It can feel maybe that we've got a bit of an impossible task. We are going against a system which has massive vested interests in maintaining the status quo. But we also need to remember our very recent history where HIV activists fought against Big Pharma and they won. So we need to not underestimate the power of people organizing. That's our power. Also, we have to remind ourselves that we will face future pandemics and the multiple crises that we now face in the world of climate breakdown, of rising inequality. All of these, the solutions to this is global solidarity and collaboration to have the strength and the integrity to take on these big corporations. And we need to end this rigged system that puts profit before people's lives. And we need to demand a system that's based on fairness, that prioritizes our health and puts people's lives before profit. So let's support, let's demand a people's vaccine because no one's life is disposable. When Dr. Gebreyesus of the WHO declared that the COVID-19 public health emergency could be considered a pandemic a year ago, there were 118,000 cases in 114 countries and 4,291 lives had been lost. Baba Aye from the Global Union Federation, Public Services International. Today, we've had 118 million cases. More than two and a half million lives have been lost. And the pandemic is as global as global can be. Vaccines are an important way of stopping the pandemic in its tracks. But just as the COVID-19 pandemic itself both revealed and sharpened inequalities between and within countries, the current regime of distribution and administration of vaccine doses shows that the corporations and rich countries are putting profit before people.
people and wealth before health. This is immoral as well as politically and economically criminal. About 115 billion US dollars in public funds have gone into the development of these vaccines, as well as know-how from public institutions. Yet, Pfizer and BioNTech alone stand to gain not less than 13 billion US dollars from this vaccine. This has to stop. This is part of why we are calling for a waiver of intellectual property rights. That is just a part of it, because even with the waiver of IP rights, there will still be countries that would need solidarity to ensure that vaccines are available to everybody everywhere at no cost. This can be easily done. There are companies, particularly those providing digital services that have made billions in this period. We should tax the rich. What we see with the undermining of vaccine equity is part of what has been the case the past three decades of neoliberal globalization, where the spirit of 45 is being whittled, where continually public services are being undermined, where people's health are not considered as primary. We need to fight back to build a better world. We need a radical new economy. We need a radical new approach to ensuring that people come before profit. It is important for all the world to realize that we are in a public health crisis. Vaccines are important at this time to keep us all safe. Perpetual Aforian Pofo, health officer, nurse and midwife from Ghana. As a nurse, I know what my comrades in Ghana, in Africa and across the world are having to face in this pandemic. A lot of our comrades have been infected. We have lost lives. We are looking at over 17,000 of us who have passed on, over 100,000 infections, and yet we are at the front lines giving the care that is required of us. It has not been easy. And the best that the world can do for us is to make available the vaccines so that each and every country in the world can have vaccines to vaccinate its population. And you know, in Africa, many of the countries are lower income countries. COVID-19 has been dramatic. Many countries within the Africa region and in fact, within West Africa, are yet to see the vaccines. In Ghana, we have gotten some vaccines through the COVID system, but this is not enough. It is not enough. We need every government to ensure that we get the waiver from the TRIPS agreement and that nobody stops or nobody blocks the TRIPS waiver such that the technology available can be shared with all countries and we can all develop these vaccines for easy access for our populations. Indeed, we have the expertise. We have the scientists in various countries. What stops us from sharing? 
How can you call yourself a well giant if you cannot share knowledge related to vaccine production? It is not enough to be a well giant if you cannot share. The world powers must show leadership and must show leadership by making sure that this technology is made available. We must put people before profits. What is profit if you lose your life and die? What is all this money to the world if we cannot save humanity? If I'm not safe, you are not safe. Some countries have vaccines that are way over the populations in their countries. What are they keeping the vaccines for? They should make it available for countries that do not have it so that we can all get the vaccines and the world can be saved. Humanity can be saved. And let us put people first, humans first before profits. It is very important. And let us keep on in the solidarity and ensure that our voices are heard. I have cystic fibrosis, which places me into the clinically extremely vulnerable and high risk category. So I've been shielding for almost a year now. So I haven't left my home and I haven't seen most of my friends and family at all. This has taken a massive toll on my physical and mental health because I've had to spend most of the pandemic managing my health from home because my cystic fibrosis ward turned into the COVID ward at my hospital. Isabel Jenny Friend, health and culture writer and disability activist. Three weeks ago, I was lucky enough to have my first dose of the COVID vaccine, but it was bittersweet. I am so lucky and privileged to be able to have it, but it angers me that I got access to the vaccine before a lot of my family in India who haven't been able to leave their flats and homes for a whole year. I shouldn't have access to the vaccine before them. It's disgusting and unfair. Our lives in the West are not more valuable than the rest of the world. To be honest, I feel guilty that I got the vaccine before them. Everybody should be able to access a vaccine no matter where they live. And my life is not worth more than theirs. And it upsets me that they're left waiting for a first dose while I'm counting the weeks until I'll get my second. And now we've learned that some of the vaccines that India are making for poorer countries are being redirected to increase supplies in the West. The UK already got preferential access to the vaccine and bought up large supplies of vaccine candidates, even before they were proven to be effective, which left low and middle income countries with nothing. Now they're taking away the supplies that have been produced for these poorer countries too. It's unfair and we must have equitable global access. After all, it is a global pandemic, but millions of people across the world will not get access to a vaccine anytime soon. This is because 75% of global COVID vaccinations have taken place in just 10 countries and 130 countries are yet to receive a single dose. This isn't okay. Big Pharma are profiting off these vaccines, which have been developed with billions of pounds of public money, while people are still dying without access. How can they profit while others are suffering and dying? This could have been prevented if they just shared their knowledge. It's sickening and it's happened before time and again just look at the AIDS crisis and how people struggled and in many countries people continue to struggle for access to life-saving medications while big pharma companies profit and we can't let it continue we cannot allow market forces to continue to dictate the value of lives without widespread global vaccination further mutations and strains of covid threaten to undermine response None of us are safe until everybody is safe. So let's make sure Big Pharma hear our crucial message.
You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today on the show, we're hearing from members of the Global People's Vaccine Alliance speaking at an online rally earlier this month to call out the injustice of vaccine apartheid. Next up, we'll hear from Reverend Tabu Cecil McComber. He's an Anglican Archbishop in Cape Town. Thank you for this opportunity to appeal to companies and governments in high-income countries for a more equitable approach to the coronavirus pandemic. We're calling for these companies and governments to support the proposal to suspend the patents at the World Trade Organization. These companies are asked to share their technical know-how, as Fatima said, so that the production of vaccines can be ramped up to reach everyone urgently everywhere. The foundation that promotes the legacy of Desmond Tutu last week quoted a research by Duke University in the United States, which says that while high-income countries represent less than 16% of the world's population, 16%, they currently hold 60% of the vaccines that have been purchased so far. How can it be moral or ethical that less than a fifth of the world's people have access to more than half of its vaccine supplies? To me, that sounds like not just vaccine nationalism, but vaccine apartheid. Just as black South Africans were told under apartheid or African-Americans were told in the 19th century, the disparity tells us that we are not fully human, that our lives are not of the same value as the lives of those in the global north. The pharmaceutical industry can come up with all rationalization they like about the cost of the vaccines and the importance of respecting patents. But how can the matter of life and death be computed in dollars and euros and pounds? And it is not just a matter of ethics or charity. South Africa's Dr. Salim Abdul Karim, the joint winner with Dr. Fauci of the John Maddox Prize, has said that it is nonsensical to think that you can control the virus by creating islands of safety. The more the virus transmits, the greater risk of new virus, and countries have that have inoculated all their people could find their gains short-lived if the virus spreads uncontrolled in other parts of the world. The virus does not respect borders. It does not respect creeds nor race. And as Dr. Karim says, we already have a solution in COVAX. 
the international financing mechanism for COVAX-19 vaccines, which, if fully implemented, will enable all countries to be vaccinated at a similar rate. At the current rates of inoculation, it is estimated that it will take seven years to vaccinate 75% of the global population and reach the immunity the world so desperately needs. We have to do better than this. We can do better than this. And friends, we can't be silent in the face of vaccine racism and vaccine apartheid. It's one year now since the WHO declared coronavirus a pandemic. And during these most extraordinary 12 months, scientists have achieved the incredible feat of creating a number of vaccines to deal with this deadly disease. Carolyn Lucas, UK Greens politician. But they've done so thanks to unprecedented levels of public funding, thanks to the participation of tens of thousands of trial volunteers, thanks to the work of overstretched health services and thanks to health workers right across the world. In other words, developing these vaccines and indeed controlling the virus more generally has been a collective effort. And yet the fruits of our collective efforts have been handed over to a group of gigantic corporations, some of which are making a fortune off the back of these vaccines. Now that not only perpetuates existing inequalities, it has created whole new, previously unimaginable levels of discrimination, which have shocked the whole world. Truly a vaccine apartheid, as many of my fellow panelists here tonight have described it. Now it's true that the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, announced at a G7 meeting two weeks ago, that he would be donating vaccines to countries around the world in order to redress this inequality. Now that might sound generous, and after all, Britain has bought many times more vaccines than we could possibly use. So I've been trying to pin him down in Parliament on what that promise actually amounts to in practice. And what I've discovered is shocking, that the promised donations will not be made until we're absolutely sure that we have no use for any further vaccines here in the UK something that isn't likely to happen for many months. That the donations will only be taken from the government's share of COVAX vaccines, not from the vast pool of vaccines that we've bought bilaterally. And perhaps worst of all, these might not be donations at all. The government might well expect payment for these vaccines. Now, so much for the largesse of the British government. But should we really be having to rely on charity anyway to achieve the global vaccination rates that let's not forget, are required to make everyone safe. As the South African government recently told the World Trade Organization, the problem with philanthropy is that it cannot buy equality. Well, that's what we're here tonight to argue for, to argue for equality and for justice. You can't have equality when power is in the hands of a small minority of the world's population. And you can't have equality when power is in the hands of a small number of multinational corporations. If we want true equality and justice, we need systems change. We cannot allow our remarkable collective effort in this pandemic to be reduced to an opportunity for a few to profit. Vaccine equity matters too much for us to allow privatization to steal it away. 
You know, I remember back in my days as a member of the European Parliament, how difficult it was to get people interested in the minutiae of TRIPS and the WTO. You know, these were just acronyms that nobody understood, trade-related intellectual property rights. Well, thanks to this campaign, we've made it a major news story in just a few months. And so intense is the pressure growing. We might perhaps see some compromises from Northern governments this week. And if we do, let's bank it. But let's also keep going for the really big goal, a medical system based on collaboration, on sharing, on putting the health of people all around the world ahead of narrow self-interest. Now such a health system could transform the world, eradicating so many diseases, transforming the lives of millions of people. That's how big the prize is here. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today on the show, we heard from members of the People's Vaccine Alliance speaking at an online rally earlier this month to call out the injustice of vaccine apartheid. And you can find today's podcast and links for all the speakers in today's show at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. And if you're already listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? We would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced with the support of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy Nam. And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. That's all for this week. So tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged and treaties made. Tune in to Fire First every Wednesday from 11am till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.